The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 25th chapter. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept, but at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Today in Pastor Speak, it is Trinity 27. Uh, it is the last Sunday of the church year, and it is the end of the church year. Today, as far as we're concerned as Christians in our liturgical calendar, is New Year's Eve. The end of all of the cycles of readings has come. And this Sunday is here as we stop the one year and move over into New Year's Day with Advent 1 next Sunday. And most of these Sundays, or all of the Sundays, have an importance and a reason that we have them and the lessons that we have. But today does stand out. Today, of course, is unique. It's not more important, but it is to be noted. It's important to get the ending of something right, isn't it? When something draws to a close, to hit the right notes, to say the right things, do the right things, so it all ties off nice and a neat bow. If you're giving a sales pitch as a salesman, you want to make sure the last words out of your mouth make the guy want to go for it, rather than turn around and walk out the door. If you are trying to persuade somebody of something, whether it's a buddy in a conversation or a speech that has to do with your job or some civic activity that you have to do with, you better have a good crescendo and conclusion to it to where people are left persuaded to your point of view. If you read a book, you want the last pages, the last chapter, to really have a great feeling to where you're glad you read it and you've come to the end. Likewise, the church year needs to have a good ending to it, end on a high note, end on an important note, as it were. We live now in our lives in the period between the ascension of our Lord and His coming again. All of the major cosmos-moving events have happened. The incarnation where God took on human flesh, the atonement of the world's sins on the cross, the glorious resurrection from the dead and the conquering of death by that resurrection and His ascension. Pentecost is done too. Now we only have to wait for the one more. The day that Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, returns to this world just as he left it in clouds of glory. And so today it is that we, in this gap, wrap up the 51 weeks in our church year. 51 weeks of talking about our Christ and his work for us. 51 weeks of talking about the Christian and our growth in our Christian faith. And we end... With this admonition concerning that last event to happen, we ought to be prepared. Jesus Christ is going to come again in glory. He's going to judge the living and the dead. And we ought to be ready now 
for it. Every Sunday in the church year, there's a core theme, sort of an idea, a central idea that you can get, and it's usually found in the gospel lesson. It's certainly the case today. And what's more, in that lesson, that parable, it's easy to decipher what our Lord is talking about. The bridegroom who is coming, well, that's easy. That's the Lord himself. He's talking about himself, Jesus. The coming is the end of time. The virgins are all those in the church. And the lamps that they are carrying, those are their good works. They're works of love and charity. And the oil there or lacking is the oil of faith. And the sleeping that they are doing, well, that is when every person falls asleep in death. And the waking is the last trumpet and everything happens, the end is here. Now, with that all in mind then, it might be tempting for us to downplay the personal importance of this parable and the Sunday in which we take time to hear it again. We might think, this doesn't really have all that much to do with me, and the first reason, which is a common reason for anything in life, because we're so familiar with it, right? We've heard it before, we've read it before, and we all know that familiarity, if it doesn't breed contempt, it can at least breed indifference to something. Okay, how many of you, when you are watching a movie, pull out your DVD player and hit pause so you can read the FBI warning about why you're not supposed to copy and what the penalty is for that? Okay, I'm guessing most of us don't do that. We kind of know generally what it says, but we're so familiar with it we don't even think twice about it. And what's more, most of us probably aren't concerned because we're not copying DVDs and selling them. And if that's something you do, I want you to come see me on Monday. We have a lot to talk about. <laughs> but the second reason we think this might not apply to us or isn't really relevant to us personally is, well, just that. We don't think it actually does apply to us. It's not speaking to me individually. We might say, I'm a Christian. Okay. I believe in Jesus Christ. He died for my sins and rose for my justification. I believe I have the forgiveness of sins, and I stand ready now to stand before the Father and his throne eternally. What in the world does this parable have to do with me? Well, a lot, actually, and that's actually the whole point of Jesus giving the parable. It applies just as much to the non-Christian and to the Christian. It is something that the Bible is very clear about, and we have it laid out in our catechisms, if you remember it from your own CEC class. It is possible to be inside of the Holy Christian Church formally, but outside of it spiritually. To be a member of the church, to be an outward Christian, but to not inside be a true Christian. Jesus talks about this in Matthew 7, familiar words to you, I hope. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That's a warning that Jesus is giving us, and it is the warning that we are focusing on in this Sunday as we wrap up the church year. It's what this parable is all about. Last week when we talked about the separation of the sheep and the goats, that's talking about a clear separation between obvious non-Christians and obvious Christians, those outside of the church. 
Today, it's a little more subtle. Today, the separation happens between true Christians and false Christians. How do we know this? Well, simply consider the parable again. When the bridegroom is coming, it's not just the five wise virgins that go to meet him and the other five are sort of clueless, not sure what's going on. No. The five foolish virgins are going too. They know there's a bridegroom. They've actually, according to their outward preparations, have been waiting for him. They fell asleep with the anticipation that he would come. They are part of the church. The difference is that the five foolish ones are unprepared. They are outwardly associating with the wise. They even have the lamps of charity and love, but they are lacking. Inside of that association, the one essential thing that makes them ready for when the bridegroom comes, the oil of holy faith which trusts in him. To put it in our language, and it's kind of stark, but it needs to be said, this version in our day and age would be somebody who has their name on a church roster, but they don't bother with any of it. Their name is known to their pastor, but their face is a complete oblivion when he sees them. It might even be to go a step further, though, and this is possible too, someone who is active in the church, volunteers, gives, sings, maybe even this far. They know the catechism really well, word for word, but it is an outward show. Inside, they don't believe any of it. The faith is not there. Now, to be clear, Jesus is not giving this parable, and I'm not preaching about it in this way about it this morning, to try and destroy certainty, to try and cast doubt on the faith that we have so that we go home and look in the mirror and say, am I, am I really saved? Do I really believe? No, that's not the intent. The intent of this parable and of this Sunday and of this sermon is so that anyone who is a foolish virgin, according to the parable's language, might see that, recognize the emptiness of their faith, repent, and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And secondly, it's so those of us who are wise virgins, who believe, might, to use Paul's words, take heed lest we fall. In the first place, this warning, like any warning that the Lord gives, is a good warning. It's not meant to stick it to the people that are being warned. It's not meant to just make them feel bad and ha-ha, walk away. No. It's meant so that they can avoid the danger that's being spoken of. Think about the interstate off-ramps here. Okay, when you have a lot of space in Illinois, as we do, you have generally the big cloverleaf ones, right? And they probably take, I don't know how many acres they take up, but it's a lot. But even though they take up a lot of acres and have kind of a gradual curve compared to ones in the city, you still need to know, and we all do, that you can only go so fast on those before it becomes dangerous, especially if you're driving a truck or maybe even a semi. Okay? So the guy from IDOT who goes out there and puts up the yellow 45 mile per hour warning sign, he's not sitting there laughing with joy if he sees a trucker take it at 70 miles an hour and flip over onto his side. No, that kind of defeats the purpose of his job. He's there to put up that sign in hopes that nobody does that. Same is true with this parable. The parable is given, the warning is given in sermons like this and others so that people avoid the danger that's being spoken of. 
But the second one, and yes, the one that certainly is more applicable for those of us that gather regularly with hearts repentant and true in God's house, is so that we, the wise virgins, may never cease to be wise and become ourselves foolish. Faith is a gift of God. Faith is something that's wonderful, but it is something that can indeed go away. To have faith now doesn't necessarily mean one will have it tomorrow because if it's not fed, it will shrivel up and die. The notion of having faith and then losing it is something that is in the New Testament and the Old as well. You can ask Alexander and Hymenaeus about it, who Paul wrote of in 1 Timothy chapter 1, who he says made a shipwreck of their faith, and who he cast out of the church and handed over to the devil, as it were, he said, to be taught not to blaspheme. Faith is a good thing. It's a wonderful thing. By the work of the Holy Spirit, God uses it to give us salvation. But faith is good only so insofar as and so long as we have it and continue to have it. And for that very reason, dear Christians, this is why this parable is just as relevant for you and me and every Christian until that day when the bridegroom does come back in glory. And so let this lesson be for you today what it is intended to be. It is a simple one. Be wise virgins. And to be wise virgins, always be prepared. And to always be prepared, nourish the faith that you have. Make it the priority of your life above all other things. Be about the things whereby it is fed and strengthened. Go to your Lord in prayer. Listen to the Word of God, not just when we're gathered here on Sunday, okay, but when you're home too. Raise your hands if you can't read English. Seeing no takers, great, go home and read your Bibles this week. Make it a part of your day. You can do it. Be in the Word. Come to the place where Jesus Christ comes and gives you not a memorial meal of his body and blood, but his actual body and blood, and says, on top of that, guess what you get? Forgiveness of sins. That, too, feeds your faith. Do these things which strengthen up the oil that you have in your lamp, so it is not just full enough, but full to the brim, and ready, ready every day for that bridegroom to come. He is indeed coming. It will be a good day for those of us who are wise virgins, so let us ever endeavor to be and to stay that way. To Jesus Christ be all glory forever. Amen.